And welcome to our Delaware Valley. I'm Laura Lewis, and with us today from the Mount Cuba Center, we have the Horticultural Research Manager, Sam Hoadley. And Sam, welcome. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to this conversation because I am a bit of a gardener myself, and Mount Cuba Center uh, has something to offer for absolutely anyone who appreciates plants uh, and, and native plants in particular. So uh, there, I just spoiled the, the whole show there. Um, <laughs> tell us, what is Mount Cuba? Yeah, so Mount Cuba Center, we're a public garden. We're located in northern Delaware, um, just outside of Wilmington. Um, and we uh, we really focus on native plants, um, particularly of the East Coast um, and more specifically of the Piedmont ecoregion, which are kind of the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains. So our gardens, you know, there's there's formal gardens that are all included with, with native plants, and it goes all the way through to naturalistic gardens. It kind of feels like a walk in the woods, but it's still designed a beautiful landscape to visit. And, and you're absolutely right. There's something for everybody, every skill level, um, any level of interest, even if you're unfamiliar with what a native plant is, there's something for you here um, at all times of the year. And of course, because it is outside of the Wilmington area. This has a DuPont history, doesn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. This actually used to be um, the Copeland family. Uh, this was their estate, um, the Wilmot DuPont Copelands. Um, and this was, they bought this estate in, in the 30s. And, you know, as early as the 1960s, they started conversations about wanting this to become a place to be preserved and to be a public space. Um, and they always wanted it to be a focus on native plants, native wildflowers, and a place where people can appreciate the beauty and value of native plants. And that's, you know, that carries through through our mission today. Um, and it was in a state as recently as 2001, and we've only just recently opened our doors, like in the last 10 years since 2013, to regular visitation. And we are open from April through about Thanksgiving every year, but we have continuing education classes all year round. I know that the DuPonts, all of the estates that are open to the public, all of those that have been turned into public gardens and, and museums, they, they have an emphasis on the gardens. But Mount Cuba, and while they all are interested in native plants, there was a formality to the others, and it was more planned. And this is, this is dedicated to the native plant. Yes, exactly. So all the gardens around here kind of have their own flavor. Um, I would say our flavor is specifically native plants, and we're very conservation oriented. Um, and we hope that again, when you come here, you not just you don't just admire the beauty of native plants, and they are beautiful, of course, but they're valuable too. Um, and we really um, we really hope to promote action with our visitors that they want to become conservators at home. Um, and there's a really big underlying message that underlying message to everything we do and our mission, and that carries through our education programs through the trial programs that I run. So yeah, we're, we're very focused and there's um, a good take-home message for any visitor. We talk a lot about preserving our wildlife. We talk about our, our water, but plants don't always come up in the conversation. And and one of your missions is, is, is native plants to protect the habitats that sustain them. Why should we be so concerned about our native plants, especially when we can go pick up varieties that are grown to, to be sturdy in this in this area absolutely so native plants they're just they're well adapted native plants that are native to this area are very well adapted to our climate and um, there's a little bit less effort a lot of times to actually keep them thriving in your landscape so that's one plus from the horticultural side um, the other plus is that they help sustain native ecosystems and even in your home landscape um, we promote this concept of conservation by addition even if you just add one or two native plants to your home landscape you are able to do some good and you're able to support things like pollinators um, planting um, fruit bearing shrubs you're able to promote you're able to um, support birds in the winter um, 
there's there's a lot of good that can be done from planting native plants. And it's there's it doesn't matter how many you plant, you can go crazy and replace your whole lawn with 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 native plants. That's great. But, you know, just adding one or two, that's a really good thing, too. Um, yeah, that supporting of local local and native wildlife, particularly insects and birds, is really important. It's something native plants thrive at. What, what makes something a native plant? Yeah, so there are a lot of definitions of native plants. Um, some of the more broad definitions are, you know, anything that's native to North America um, or, you know, was here before colonization. Um, but our definitions are a little more um, confined. Uh, so Mount Cuba Center really um, promotes native plants that are native to this Piedmont ecoregion, which is kind of the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains, as I mentioned before. But this is a region that extends pretty much from New York City all the way down through Alabama. And plants in this region tend to thrive at most points in that region. Um, And northern Delaware, right where we are, is kind of this little sliver of northern Delaware that's very hilly, very rocky. Um, That's part of the Piedmont ecoregion, and that's really what we focus on. Um, In the trial gardens, we have a little bit of a broader definition, and pretty much we trial plants um, most of the time that are native to east of the Mississippi River. That's kind of our, our golden rule there. Sorry, complex answer to a <laughs> to a seemingly simple question. So, well, well, I alluded though to plants that, um, that that you can buy. You can go out and you can pick up a plant, and and yes, you can at these shops buy plants that are labeled as being native plants as well. But a lot of things we see, like we, we might be have we might have heritage roses in our yard, and they were only introduced a hundred years ago. At what? Yeah. I mean, at what point do you say, Oh, it's an antique now. Is there any way of knowing that we really are picking up plants that are native and, and what makes the difference between a plant that was grown to be hardy in this zone versus a plant that grew here X number of years ago, or that was here when we settled Wilmington or we set down the first house in Chester. Yeah, so these, again, these plants that were native here, were growing here before colonization, they're really well adapted to this region. Um, And since that time, um, there have been selections of native plants, um, and a lot of times those are called cultivars. So this is a cultivated form of a native plant. And um, that's one of the questions in the trial garden. There's so many options out there, especially when you're talking about something like a cone flower. There are many versions of these native plants. Some of them are older, some of them are newer, Um, but we're comparing them in the trial garden. We're trying to figure out which ones are best suited for growing in this region. And we want people to be successful. So we promote those plants that perform the best in our trials. Um, But that's really the take home message. These plants perform well. And we really want to promote the plants that perform well so that people can be successful in their home landscapes. Well, we are going to talk about hydrangeas gone wild, which I think is yeah. a magnificent name for a program. Uh, and you alluded to the coneflower, which is my personal favorite and featured on your website right now, I might add, one of those double-headed guys that I love. But um, what happens? Do plants like animals and birds and and fish, etc., can we lose an entire group of plants? And what happens when they do disappear? Are they like the rest of our ecosystem? Can they go extinct on us? They absolutely can. And there are a lot of plants at risk in the eastern United States and throughout the United States. Um, A lot of, uh, I think one of the biggest risks posed to um, native plants in in our country and in a lot of countries is habitat loss, Um, whether that is um, transforming uh, 
land for agriculture, for development, um, whether that means that we are changing how how landscapes naturally were managed um, through suppressing things like fires, um, which in some ecosystems, particularly in the southeastern United States, um, are really critically important. And through suppressing those fires, we're kind of interrupting a natural process um, that kind of helps some of these specialized native plants um, exist. Um, and some plants have really restricted native ranges, and um, those ranges are only um, shrinking. So there's a lot that can be done to promote those really um, uh, plants that are kind of in peril. Um, and that's one of the messages that we, we try to promote as well, um, that these plants are important. We want to keep these around so that future generations can enjoy them and help educate kind of where they, where they fall in, within the ecosystem and what roles they play to support the food webs and um, things like that. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, you, you mentioned the, the beauty of them, and they are lovely, but you also mentioned their function, and, and they do have a place here. I, I'm not really much of a gardener, but even I know that I should have milkweed for butterflies. What happens when we lose a plant? We, we hear about the bees being in danger. Is, is this what we're talking about here? And I am putting this down to the lowest, the lowest level yeah. of this conversation, because I don't know anything about this. Sure, and this isn't necessarily my area of expertise, but what can happen is a cascading effect. Um, And I don't think we even fully understand the ramifications of losing certain species, um, plant species um, specifically. Um, But you're absolutely right with something like a milkweed. If milkweed were to disappear off the map, which I I don't think will happen for most species, um, there would be huge issues. Uh, We would most likely lose the monarchs, um, which people love, and they're a very important um, organism in um, throughout all of North America. Um, so there are there's a ripple effect when we do lose anything, and I think more often we don't really understand in the moment, but it could be very critically important, and we may not even realize. Now, what is plant research? You are, and, and of course, you, you're concentrating on the hydrangea right now. And yes. this is a research facility. Talk about your field. Oh, and there was no pun in that at all, but talk about what you, <laughs> yeah. what sure. you do. So, so my role at Mount Cuba Center, um, so we, I manage the trial garden. And the trial garden is actually located in the formal gardens themselves. Um, you can come and um, when you visit, um, when we open up in April, you can come to see the trial garden, which is a little bit unusual. A lot of trial gardens are kind of often kind of back of house. Um, but this is, we want people to see these plants. We want people to interact with these plants. Um, and we are conducting research through, um, in them throughout um, really the growing season. And then we can, then we write these research reports. But what we're doing is essentially evaluating a group of native plants, and we're looking at them from two perspectives, which really come back to our mission. We're looking at them from a beauty perspective, which is really, are they going to grow well in your home landscape? Are they going to be a beautiful addition to your home landscape? So that's, you know, the beauty of native plants. And then we're also looking at them from the value perspective. So the value of native plants would really be their ecosystem services that they can provide. And most often we're looking at pollinator visitations to try to measure that value that they have. Um, so with the hydrangeas specifically, we were looking at them. We wanted to tell you, you know, plant these nine hydrangeas. You're going to be successful with these. You're going to love these. We've trialed them for five years in our in our trial garden. They did beautifully for us. Plant these. But we also wanted to talk about which ones are supporting the most pollinators. 
And that kind of goes back to our conservation by addition message. If we can get someone to plant, um, even someone who may not be familiar with native plants, if we can get someone to plant um, a plant that's not just beautiful, but it also supports pollinators in their home landscape, they're moving the needle in a positive direction um, and they're doing some good even in a small home landscape like mine. Hey, if you're just joining us, this is our Delaware Valley. I'm Laura Lewis, and today we're talking to Sam Hoadley. He is the Horticultural Research Manager at Mount Cuba Center, located just up, up above Wilmington. This is a jewel of a garden, and it's it is very important to our area. You, you're a tourist attraction. You are a research center. You do so much, and, you, and, it's your, and you're easy to find because you just go online to mountcubacenter.org, and that's Mount MT, MT, mountcubacenter.org. And right there you will find out information about all of the programming, um, hours that you can visit, the educational um, offerings that you have, and plant information. It's all right there, mtcubacenter.org. I'm used to hearing about, and I grew up in the Midwest, I'm used to seeing fields tagged where they were doing research on soybeans or corn. And I'm so used to it being done for these food crops. And so are you kind of one of the rare creatures out there doing this for native plants and, and hydrangeas? Yeah, I would say so. So there, there are a few trial programs in the United States um, that are looking at um, ornamental plants specifically. Uh, we're one of them. Um, and again, our focus is really on native plants. Um, and Chicago Botanic Garden is another one that does a lot of great research. Uh, Richard Hockey runs the program there. Check out their information on the website. Really, really wonderful stuff. They, they evaluate a broader range of plants, not just natives. Um, and um, they've done many different programs. But again, those, those messages are more concentrated for the Midwest. Those results would be really relevant to people gardening in the Midwest. Um, but for us, our results um, at Mount Cuba Center, um, we really promote our results to the mid-Atlantic region. So we, we would say, you know, our results are going to be very similar to someone in New Jersey or Maryland or even Virginia. Um, so that we really promote those results to that region. Although there may be wider reaching, um, you know, there, those results might reach more um, a broader footprint as well into New England and each, into the southeastern United States. Well, you referred to your plants as ornamental, and that, of course, means they're beautiful to look at. They're, they're a great addition to your yard, but we're also talking about this the idea of this conservation by addition. And so we, you want us to put these in there because they're serving more purpose than just being a beautiful thing. So why? what should we think about when we're looking at our yard? Maybe we have just a patch of grass. Maybe we just have planters because even a planter garden gardener can use this information. Correct? Exactly. Yes. We so we try to we try to make this information available to anybody. So from any skill level, if you're just a beginner gardener, uh, if you're an expert, even if you're in the horticultural industry, we want these results in our trials to be able to reach all of you and have some kind of benefit to any of those parties. Um, and we keep in mind um, that there are different landscape needs. Like if you are just gardening with containers, there are options out there. And we're evaluating as broad a spectrum of plants as we possibly can so we can try to capture options for any of those different situations, even with the hydrangeas. There are hydrangeas that could work in a container garden. There's, they have been bred to be so small, so compact, um, Invincible Wee White is one that comes to mind. It's only about three feet tall and three feet wide, and that's after five years of growth. So that's a really compact plant. You might need a bigger container, but 
there's an option for you. Um, if you have a bigger home landscape, you may be able to add more, more hydrangeas. Um, but there's definitely any, any garden situation, we have something for you. And by adding even a single native plant, you are doing some good. You're adding um, ecological value to your home landscape. And that can't be, um, the value of that can't be underestimated. If we all do that, we're, we're, you know, we're doing a lot of good. These are, we're talking about perennials today, are we not? Yes, most often. So most of our trials are perennial plants. We have done a couple of annual options, specifically talking about coreopsis or tick seed. Um, but with um, the hydrangeas, this is actually our first time we're evaluating a woody plant or a shrub. And we're going to continue doing that in the future. Actually, our next um, trial after wild hydrangeas is oak leaf hydrangeas, which is actually one of my favorite landscape shrubs of all time. Sam, I'm hearing this and I'm thinking, okay, I do have that postage stamp or I do have my my big pots. How do I get started? If I've just if I haven't gardened, maybe it's my first time having a plot of land or or a patio with sunshine. What should I do to get started at, to be a proponent of a natural environment? Yeah, there's there's a lot of ways that you can kind of jump into that field and and it really it can be intimidating sometimes. There's a lot of information out there, um, but it doesn't have to be that way. There, we offer classes about you know getting started into horticulture, getting started in conservation, um, learning how you know garden basics, those kinds of things. But our research reports as well, um, they're they're written in a voice that that is accessible. So again, like even if you are don't have a lot of experience with native plants or gardening, even um, you could pick up this report and still understand the messages that we're trying to communicate. Um, and then you kind of think about your home landscape, uh, whether again, you have a postage stamp, even if you just have a patio with some containers. Um, and we'll talk about those kinds of situations. We have um, essentially what I like to call kind of a cheat sheet in the back of our research reports, which kind of break down all of these plants by different stats. So it'll have their height, their width after three to five years or however long the trial was. Um, normally our perennial trials are three years, our woody plant trials like the hydrangeas are five years. Um, so we have their maximum size, um, we have their bloom time, we have their bloom color, we have um, you know whether these plants are valuable for insects, and that's a great way to kind of go through and select plants that might be good for your situation. Um, particularly, again, if you have limited space, we have a couple hydrangeas that could really fit that bill. Um, a lot of times, a lot of the other hydrangeas are quite large shrubs, and they're good for um, larger spaces, but there are options. Um, and again, we're evaluating as many plants as we possibly can to cover that entire spectrum from um, small space, large space, um, and we're trying to make it, again, as accessible as we can to any skill level. All right, I'm changing the topic here, but I've got to ask this real quick. Um, sure. uh, now, hydrangeas, you can change the color of them, can't you? So, yeah, so that's, there are some hydrangeas that do change their color, um, the flower color, in various levels of soil acidity. Um, native hydrangeas don't do that. So ah. if you have a hydrangea that's either blue or a shade of blue and pink together, um, that's most likely a hydrangea macrophylla or big leaf hydrangea or hydrangea serrata, um, which is also known as mountain hydrangea. And these hydrangea species are native to, to Japan. They make good garden plants, um, particularly on coastal regions, um, but they have some drawbacks in our climate. Sometimes they don't bloom reliably. Um, and But the interesting thing is, as you mentioned, they have that color-changing ability depending on the soil acidity. Our native hydrangeas, 
they are the color that they will always be. Um, so with hydrangea arborescence, the wild hydrangeas that we trialed, they're either going to be shades of pink or white, more often white. Um, and they're just really easy. They're very adaptable plants. We've shown in our trials that they can handle full sun. They'd rather be in some shade, but you can grow them in full sun if you give them a little bit of soil moisture. Again, they, it seems like they're pretty um, tolerant of various soil acidities. Um, but one of the best things about them and one of the biggest questions we get about hydrangeas is, you know, how do you treat these plants? How can you ensure that they're going to bloom for you? Um, with hydrangea arborescence or wild hydrangea, it's super easy. You, won't, you don't have to do anything to them, um, and they will bloom reliably for you every year. Um, the other nice thing you can do, you can actually cut these plants almost to the ground in late March, which is what we did as a comparison study in the trial garden. And these plants will rebound and they'll bloom for you in June and July. And that essentially, this category of hydrangeas that can do that, they bloom on, quote, new wood. Um, so this means that their flower buds are produced that growing season. So you're not going to remove flower buds if you were to prune them in the spring. Um, with something like those blue flowering hydrangeas, those um, uh, big leaf hydrangeas, if you were to cut them to the ground in the spring, you would have few, if any, flowers that summer. Um, so hydrangea arborescence, they're just super adaptable. They're super easy. Um, and there are some beautiful color options, particularly some of the new pink um, cultivars that are out there. But the whites are absolutely stunning in the landscape as well. Oh, and you said something. Now I'll get back onto the real topic here about gardening. Um, native plants, they grow in forests. So if I have a lot of shade, there's, there's a native plant available for me, isn't there? Absolutely. There's native plants for every situation. Um, and um, there are certain categories of native plants that are more utilitarian and they can fill in niches like dry shade, which are always a challenge, um, which is kind of something that we're going to be promoting with our upcoming Carex trial or Sedge trial. But with hydrangeas, they're super adaptable. Again, we can grow them in full sun. They're very well adapted to growing in partial sun, even to heavy shade. I've seen hydrangea arborescence um, in the wild in eastern Pennsylvania that is in super, super deep shade underneath an evergreen um, canopy, and they're thriving, they're blooming, they're attracting pollinators. Um, so it's this is a really great plant that's very adaptable and has a place in a lot of different landscape situations. It always comes back to the hydrangea with you, doesn't it? Yeah, always. <laughs> very excited about hydrangeas right now. <laughs> uh, now, um, how do we interact with you? How do we, do you sell these plants? Uh you're talking about classes. How do we interact with Mount Cuba? Absolutely. So there's a couple ways. Um, and one of them is through interacting with our research. And we have, um, as you mentioned on our website, we have an entire research section, an entire trial garden section. And all of the results from any of our previous trials are right there. They're all available. Either you can view them online or download the PDFs. Um, but in those research reports, we're going to be recommending the, the best performing plants. And those are the, really the ones that you would want to pick from. We don't necessarily sell these plants, um, although we do offer some plants for sale um, throughout the year when we are open. Um, but off, more often, I think of our trials as kind of a promotional tool or an extension service. So we're giving you recommendations on plants that we know will work. Um, and we do have a nursery resource on our website as well, um, a list of nurseries in this area in the Mid-Atlantic region that you could go to and, um, you know, be able to source these native plants from. Um, 
In addition, we offer some classes um, on, on hydrangea specifically. I believe we have a class in June and July that I'll be teaching. Um, there's a hydrangea drawing class, a hydrangea painting class as well, I think coming up in May, which I think is going to be really fabulous. And you'll be able to see these hydrangeas um, this spring. We're going to be keeping the top performers in the trial garden. A great time to come see them is our wildflower celebration at the end of April. It's a great family-oriented um, event. There's activities, there's food, there's music, um, and it's a beautiful time to be in the garden itself. Um, so there's a lot of ways to interact with Back Cuba Center and the trials. And, you know, coming to the trial garden, when the plants are here in the summer, um, you can see these plants firsthand. You can see the insect interactions with them. You can see the plants that are thriving. And you can make selections right then. You don't have to wait for the research report. Um, and, you know, for one of the hydrangeas in our trial, I saw the amount of insects that were coming to this plant, and I went out and bought one for myself for my home garden that same day. And I know other visitors, um, when they came to the gardens, they saw that same plant and asked me where they could buy it. Um, and we directed them to a few resources. And, you know, it's there's a lot of ways you can interact with the gardens, both um, through our website and through being here on site. Well, the flowers will attract a lot of people in addition to those insects. A lot of us, and, oh, sure. and not everybody is a gardener. So this is a place to come. If you just want to appreciate the beauty of these plants, but also for the other activities, because you've already mentioned um, music and painting classes. Mount Cuba is not just about what's growing underneath the ground. That's exactly right. We, we have, offer classes for gardening, um, you know, for beginners to experts. We offer cons, uh, conservation-oriented classes, wellness classes, art classes. There's really something for everybody. Um, there's a very robust offering um, a catalog of classes that we do offer, and those are all available um, for viewing on our website as well. I, the fact that you have a drawing and painting hydrangeas, I thought. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a lot of fun. I actually think I might sign up for that one. <laughs> um, now, what is, now you've also got another program, Forest Bathing, coming yeah. up, and I'm going to let you go into that one. Yeah, I, I'm no expert, but um, so the the name it, that refers to this forest bathing is um, Shinrin Yoku, um, and I believe Anissa George is going to be teaching that. It's really about being um, in the woods and appreciating really the beauty and the splendor of our natural environment. Um, no bathing suits required. You can wear your normal everyday clothes, but it's really just about um, being in the presence of nature, being calm, and um, enjoying your setting. And uh, for more details, definitely check out our website. It sounds like a really interesting offering. Um, and this is a great setting to be, you know, to be doing a class like this. How do you recommend visiting? Um, I, because I know that when you do the bathing class, um, yeah. you're, you're going to be wearing your shoes and you're, and you're supposed to bring a water bottle yes. because you're getting out into nature. Yeah. How is the facility situated? I mean, it, is this for hiking through this area? Is it a casual stroll? What should we plan on when we arrive? Yeah, and there's there's kind of one of those kind of choose your own adventure type of things. There's, there's options for more casual strolls, uh, really accessible areas, particularly those around the main house which is a lot of times where our bigger events are held. Um, then we have areas that are more, they feel like more of a walk in a curated woods, which are our naturalistic gardens. Um, they include woodlands, mature woodlands, um, a meadow garden, a pond garden. If anytime someone asks me um, what they should see if it's their first visit, I always direct them down to the ponds. It's an absolutely beautiful place. But, you know, walking shoes are great. It's not too far, um, but for the first time, we have actually opened up our natural lands um, for visitation, which to, is more of more of kind of a, a hiking um, 
situation and there are various sized loops um, and um, you can kind of choose a loop depending on how long you want to be out in the natural lands. But the natural lands here are beautiful. Um, the landscapes in northern Delaware are absolutely stunning, and they're well-maintained by our natural lands team. Um, there's a lot of interpretation out there as well. So that might be a little bit more of, you know, you want to bring your water bottle, maybe bring a snack with you, bring your sunblock in the summer. Um, and those are a little bit of a longer experience, um, but there's really something for everybody. Um, whether you just want to have a very leisurely stroll throughout the formal gardens or really go out um, into our natural lands and take a longer walk. Are there festivals and events that we should be paying attention to as well? I know you talked about the wildflowers at the end of April. (laughs) Yes, that's the biggest one. And that one is a lot of fun. Um, There's a lot of different situations. Again, activities for the whole family, um, music, food. Um, I'll be there in the trial garden answering questions about the hydrangeas and other past trials. You'll be able to see the new hydrangea trial, the new oak leaf hydrangea trial will be on. Um, It's a lot of fun. And if you're interested in native wildflowers, particularly those in the spring, the gardens are at their peak. It's an absolutely beautiful time to be um, in the garden. It's a kind of a great way to celebrate, um, you know, spring arriving. And is this open to the public or do we have to become members? It is open to the public. Um, so anyone can come here. Um, there's an admissions fee and there also are um, memberships available for, um, for families or people who are interested. And of course, all of that is on your website. Exactly, yes. And that website is mountcubacenter.org. You'll find a schedule of events. Uh, They will be reopening in April through about, well, November or whenever you realize a foot of snow says, I guess we're closed. Uh, Sam, a parting word? Mount Cuba Center, you know, it's the, the big take home is we want this to be a place where you appreciate the beauty and value of native plants. And everything that we do here comes back to that mission. Um, conservation is really the underlying theme of our gardens here. And we really want to promote um, native plants so that people can become conservators in their home landscapes, which is a big piece of what the trial garden helps to enable. And so for more information about anything that we talked about today, from the events that are coming up, the research papers, the PDFs on the individual plants, all of the activities that you can find at Mount Cuba Center are found at mountcubacenter.org. That's mtcubacenter.org. Center.org. My guest today, Sam Hoadley. He is the Horticultural Research Manager at Mount Cuba. Sam, thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. This has been a lot of fun. I'm going to go get a hydrangea and give it a whack. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds great. I'm Laura Lewis. This has been our Delaware Valley.